0: Hey, there. Welcome to the show. So I can't believe it. Here we are. We're trekking through October. You know, it's amazing because there's so much going on in the world, in the world of real estate. So you know what? Uh, You know, this hour, I've got a great show planned for you. Uh, Two guests joining me. They're returning guests uh, joining me in a couple of minutes, uh, Bryn Lackey. You've heard Bryn, and you actually can read some of her columns in the Toronto Sun. Bryn is a realtor with Chestnut Park Real Estate. And um, on the other side of the coin, in a little bit, I've got Tim Hudak joining me. He's the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. And of course, you used to hear Tim here all the time on the station. Tim had his own radio show here on Sundays as well. So it could be great to have my two guests joining me. But uh, just a quick reminder, uh, coming up Thursday... October the 20th at 7 p.m., we've got our Simple Real Estate Investment Seminar. That's right. You can join me here in studio and uh, I'm really excited about it. So what am I gonna talk about? I'm gonna talk about things that you, you know, should really matter to you. How do you make it through tough interest rates? And where are opportunities for you to make your life a little bit easier and still keep some cash flow happening? So I am gonna break down the numbers. It's one of the things that I love to do when we talk about real estate. So I'm gonna help everybody out. So you know what, go to the simpleinvestor.com, you can register and uh, it's gonna be a great evening. We're in our new location and yeah, we're open for business. It's the first time we're doing a seminar in two and a half years you know and I've been doing webinars and I gotta tell you it's just not the same so I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of you in-house here having a great conversation. By the way, um, because we've got our podcast booth here, I am going to throw out the invite to do a little bit of interviews. If you want to get uh, your face on, uh, on radio, that's right, your face on radio, but you also get the video of it. So we're going to be doing some recording with some of, our, uh, some of our participants. So anyways, go to the Simpleinvestor.com for that. So as I mentioned, my, my first guest joining me, she's no stranger to the show, and I've been really fortunate to have her uh, join me. In fact, back in studio. And uh, Bryn, welcome back.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Always pleasure having you, um, you know, join me. And uh, it's nice because now that I've got the studio, you know, having people come in place. You know, you and I talked before. You know, through uh, via via Zooms and that it's just not the same.
1: Well, back then I was doing it, I think, from my closet, hiding from children through <laughs> lockdown. So this is feeling really glamorous.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, lots to talk about today, and um, you know, you 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 mentioned you're kind of hiding from children and things like that. I do want to talk to you about uh, you know some of the social media stuff. I do want to talk to you about you 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 penned a really interesting article, and um, and I do want to talk about that. We're going to talk about debit cards and Ooh. you know and how people how people got a little out of control with things. But um, let's talk about a little bit of social media because, you know, there's this, obviously this big shift happening, I think more in the narrative. I'm not even going to say numbers yet because you and I both watch the numbers and yeah, there's a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a shift in the, um, in, in pricing more volume than price. But wow, I got to tell you, looking at some of these TikTok, Twitter, everything, man, there are some people that are just doomsayers out there.
1: Oh yes. And I am... Um, an embarrassingly voracious consumer of social media. I find the real estate um, pocket of TikTok fascinating. I find uh, the corner of Twitter, real estate Twitter to be really fascinating. I think I um, learn a lot from there. I also formulate some opinions, just reading how certain people are about certain things. Um, And what you'll find is depending on the sector, real estate versus Twitter, versus I don't go on Facebook anymore, you could have two completely different parallel competing realities depending on what you're consuming.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, just, I, I, I try not to get too vested into it because, you know, people do get consumed by it. But the one thing that I've seen is that we have, you know, polar opposites in the narrative of what's going on in this marketplace. Oh yeah. You know, like I, I'm pretty sure you're seeing people and, and I'm not sure where they get the official status to report certain numbers because some of these people I think are kind of new to the industry, but you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're going with the, you know, oh, the market's going to crash, you know, everybody run for their lives. And then you have, of course you have others that are going. To try to be more encouraging because they want to have the transactions right um, so Bryn how, how do we how do we kind of discern what's real and what's not because again this is this is wide open for everybody to make their own uh, you know opinions uh, out there
1: well exactly name your own reality um I think it's actually a really important time for media literacy or social media literacy to be front and center I think that we are in a time that is incredibly uncertain people such as yourself who have been in this business since, I think you said in the the nineties, right? Oh, um, you've seen a bunch of cycles and even you with all of your experience are sitting here wondering what's going to happen, right? Because there's a lot of moving parts. I think that there are similarly a lot of people who have looked at, you know, what they're looking at as narrow or wide as that may be. And they're formulating some very strong opinions. If you go on real estate Twitter, um there are people who say that there is a 50 percent crash coming based on what i don't know right you know they're saying they're saying well look at this look at that no no keep waiting keep waiting and um i'm certainly i will say off the top i am a firm believer that something significant is underfoot i think that pause is not a bad thing right now i think everyone should be cautious because there are so many variables that are outside of our control i.e. OPEC, we have Ukraine, we have, you know, uh, are we in a recession? Are we in a soft landing? Whatever it may be, there are enough elements that we don't understand that taking a beat to just look at what's going on is not a bad thing. I think that in the interim, that sort of void, that vacuum gets filled with people with strong opinions. So if you go on TikTok right now, there are agents dancing around, literally dancing, um, holding sold over asking signs next to their listings. That they've had up since May. This house that has been listed since May has had, you know, 52 reductions. They finally reduced it. Somehow, two people come out of the woodwork and want it for that reduced price, and it goes 10,000 over asking. They're slapping up a sold over asking sign. So there is certainly um, an important element of critical thinking required when you're consuming all of this. But um, one way or another, I think at the end of the day, it's so subjective how determined you know your position is going to be.
0: Yeah. You know, you and know, I have talked about this in the past and and, and I don't mind bringing it up. Um, everybody needs a roof over their head. I mean, no matter what, this yeah. is just, this is just a reality. You know, we dump 500,000 new people into the country and that means we need some more roofs and it's Maslow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, big picture stuff and, and, and only, I only, I only bring this up because I want to, I want to caution people for the sky is falling. And I also want to caution people when we talk about, Oh yeah, we're getting multiple offers. You know, Truth be told, real estate does have a stable price point. Like there is there is a bottom and then there is a top. And every once in a while, we'll see the top. And we've, we've done that a couple of times. 2016, kind of into 2017, we did see a little bit of it, obviously, um, you know, in 2021. But 2022 was that kind of that, that peak. We, we, we actually called it a pin peak. And the reason why, because it just, it went crazy for like about a week or two and it shouldn't have. Like It was just no rationale at all. But then when we start talking about the bottom, and this is where I think I, I, I just want to caution people that when they start trying to guesstimate the bottom, you know, and they start talking about, you know, 40% reduction, 50% reduction in price point where they're going is they're taking us back to a certain time. And then you got to start thinking of the, the year that is, and it could be, you know, they may think that the price is going to go back to 2014, 2013. The one thing that they're forgetting is, is that we have two and a half million more people in the country today than we did then. Mm-hmm. And this is why the bottom of the market may not be what they are trying to project.
1: No. And I think that actually a lot of people will sort of disparagingly say that, Oh, all realtors, they lean back on immigration. Okay. But hold on for a second, what would have to actually happen if that 50% reduction, that 50% crash that, you know, John Doe 6455 (laughs) predicts, you know, is that possible? Sure. Is it more likely that we will have like zombie apocalypse and that's where everyone has gone? Like that's almost what would have to happen because if you look at even how the numbers have shaken out, and again, I say right off the top, I'm not a booster right now. I am very sure. cautious and I am, there are a whole host of factors about who should be buying and selling at this moment. And that's a conversation. But, um, if you're trying to say 50% correction, well, what would have to happen? Okay. So everyone loses their job. Yep. Everyone gets, you know, relocated to Mars, um, You know, if you look at where the numbers, where the correction has been strongest, if you look central Toronto, I think the chart I looked at this morning was 10.1% correction from the peak. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that is being propped up. Obviously, even amongst all of this, when people are saying that we've had, we're in the midst of the worst housing correction in decades, you get further outside of the city, the correction is more severe. Um, and that is right there encapsulating the fact that we have more people who need to stay in the city. We have more people where jobs are determined here, families determined here. Um, so for that to change, for that to shift, we're either going to have to have just such widespread unemployment that everyone just mm-hmm. walks away from their mortgages, and I, I don't see that happening, yep. um, or uh, we're just going to have a sudden you know, shift where suddenly people are going to go move elsewhere. And I also don't see that happening because if you even just look at the climate stuff we've got going on right now, Canada is the dream place. You know, if you look long term, that's kind of where we're going, where Canada is going to hold um, a special place in the world.
0: Okay, so we're going to go to a quick break. But when we come back, folks, we've got more with Bryn Lackey, So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, joining me right now is Bryn Lackey. And you can catch her column in the Toronto Sun, but she's also a realtor with Chestnut Park Realty. And uh, Bryn, just before the break, you and I were having a good chat about um, obviously, immigration, how people are perceiving the market and things like that. And there's there's so much to kind of unfold here when we talk about you know adjustments and you did you did say and 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 i'm glad you brought it up you know some of the conditions to have that that sizable crash would have to deal first and foremost a lot of unemployment and then second of course the people going to mars so we we, we don't think elon musk has got that one figured out so let's talk about you know the the idea of unemployment you know i struggle with that as an employer i'm going to tell you that it is really tough to to hire people there's just you know there is Not a lot of people out there looking for jobs. I can tell you that, you know, this is one of the things that I talk to a lot of company owners. They struggle to find staff. So the idea of mass unemployment, I don't think we're quite there yet. I mean, when we take a look at the numbers, the numbers are exceptionally low right now in Canada. So, you know, there are other, I think, underlying, you know, factors and as, as you, you and I've talked in the past, you know, we take a look at some of the factors that are coming into play, you know, the oil and, and then gas, like, you know, gas this past week, 16 cents in 24 hours, you know, one night it's 10, 10 cents. The next, the next day they're saying, it's another six cents tonight. I'm thinking to myself, well, wow, what are you guys doing?
1: Literally the night I went to bed saying, I'll get gas in the morning. My gas light is on. Um, yeah, no, it's, there's so, there's so much volatility. Right. And I think that amongst volatility, there is, it's human to try to unpack it and try to create some certainty. Yeah. And I think that when you're talking about real estate, where we're not just talking about bricks and mortar and, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs anymore, we're also talking about um, a financialization of real estate in Canada that we've been conditioned to real estate only goes up. It's for savings. It's um, a responsible thing to do for your, you know, get in it, it, it's the way you get around not having generational wealth you know whatever the narratives may be sure. when you've got that going on and things are unstable people are sitting there feeling very vulnerable and there are a lot of people who are feeling vulnerable right now as well they should we have you know historically untenable debt levels right. um, household debt levels we have people with home equity lines of credit that my parents generation would just keel over right like people didn't buy their house and immediately um do a whole reno to their kitchen on credit like they saved up and they did the floors and they did whatever you know so it's a a shift right there so people are sitting in this really vulnerable spot wondering if they quote unquote overpaid wondering how they're going to make it through the next six months of volatility with rates and so i think then you've got a lot of people who just want to unpack it and say okay 50 percent correction or everything is fine or buy the dip or whatever it is um, that people have found traction online by selling to people. Um, and I actually that is sort of going hand in hand to me as I think Rico, if we're looking at the real estate council of Ontario, I think we're going to be in a new phase where I think we need some more active monitoring of the stuff that's being sold on social media, because I think we are all responsible as salespeople for, um, relaying, you know, factual, fine interpretation, Factual is obvious, but interpretation, I think we should be bound by some responsibility to um, the outcomes we think we're producing by making these representations. And I think there are a lot of people paying fast and loose right now. And I think that in the months ahead, that would be a really good thing for Rico to be looking at because it's not great for the industry and it's certainly not great for the consumer.
0: Yeah interesting point so you had an article that you uh, penned for the Toronto Sun and it was regarding um, basically debit cards and Mm. so maybe maybe you can tell us a little bit about it
1: yeah I have a whole theory that you know the beginning of the end of sort of financial responsibility was with the debit card because it went from money being dollars and cents and you know the value of a dollar to a really abstract concept I um, it kind of just came together this column because I was thinking about how I remember bank books and then bank books disappeared and it was a nana thing. And then I remember getting a debit card and my allowance suddenly getting my mom e transferring it to me when I was in high school. You know, and we would try to figure out how to make it work when ATMs only, you know, would um, spit out $20 bills. You know, so there was a whole thing there that then money became a little more abstract. When I had my first grown-up job, I would then swoosh money right out of my account into an RSP. Savings happen that way, car payments disappear. Um, So it becomes this really abstract concept where affordability is not a thing. It's, you know, just ha- how to make it work with the in and the out from your account. And I would say that that's sort of how um, we've been able to get to a place where young families, young couples, young people um, are buying into a housing market that is objectively unaffordable. You know, you do so by, we're long past the point of, can I afford this? Is this a reasonable you know, percentage of my income to be going to housing, and just the in and the out and the swoosh, right?
0: It's kind of funny because you know I'll date myself here. Of course, <laughs> when I started using bank accounts, all you had was a bank book, and you had to go in, and the only time you could ever get money was actually at the bank teller. Yeah, they didn't even have they didn't even have bank machines back then. No, so. You know, when, when you take a look at those kind of things, it, it, it really did actually slow spending down. I can tell you that. And and you always looked at your bank book because you could watch your balance rise. And that was really cool, especially as a kid, you know, and you're not making a whole lot per hour. So it's like, oh, how much money do I have in the bank? So, you know. A
1: rolling I know. change? I remember my sister and I would think we had hit the jackpot because we would get to, if we rolled the money and, like, took it, yeah, it became ours. But then you think we went from rolling pennies to suddenly the government saying pennies aren't worth <laughs> you know, what it costs to produce them. So we're just going to drop them off purchases, yeah. right? Like that's where we're at.
0: Yeah. So, you know, when, when we talk about real estate, um, and and you did touch on this and, you know, you and I may differ on some opinions on a few things. One of them, hmm. when we talk about generational wealth and we talk about, you know, forced savings in, in your typical primary residence. Um, I am an advocate of it, obviously uh, not just from being an investor, being a homeowner, things like that. You know, I've been able to work with people that you know they've owned a property for 20 years they probably never would have truly saved the money had it not been going into paying down their mortgage now there are those people it is a forced savings for some but one of the things that I always try to make sure people understand is you can't do it if you're speculating to the value nor should you be doing it from a short term perspective, mm-hmm. you know? So if we're going to raise a family, that's great. You just happen to have a kicker on the side, which is that family home that one day we'll have less debt and have some value to it. So that's kind of my perception of it. Oh,
1: don't get me wrong. I believe in that fully. I think that especially if you look at the last sort of 15 years, Right. That's absolutely, it's for savings because we've had a run up in appreciation that has more than made that make sense. You know, for, I'm not someone who understands candidly. I don't understand investing in stock market. It's not something I have. I'm solely, my whole worldview is sell, selling real estate, right? working in real estate. But I also am smart enough to know what I don't know. Yep. So um, in terms of a, the generational opportunity to have that experience of it, I think that We have a lot of people, for instance, who decided they buy in because they're banking on the appreciation. And if um, there is a slight correction or they're not cash flow positive, like there is a whole segment of buyers who have bought the only thing they can afford and they will rent for their own family, but they have bought in and they're going to buy that condo and they're going to rent it out and they're going to catch that appreciation. I think that that is more challenging to have that sort of... um, cash prize at the end than it was for even for my, like my peers, my peers, we are able to do that because we've had an appreciation, our parents, the boomers, my goodness, like they bought their houses for $165,000. And now, you know, 2 million.
2: Sure.
1: So, so I certainly agree. I just think that it is harder to do as we um, as sort of the generations progress.
2: Yeah,
0: no, no, I would agree with that hundred percent. So, um, Bryn, what is the, uh, where's the best place for people to get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you?
1: So I'm at Bryn at Chestnut Park, but you can also find me, um, on Twitter, which is where I troll and sorry, not troll. I don't <laughs> troll. troll. No, what? no, I'm more like a little hobbit hiding there watching, yeah. um, or on
0: Instagram, yep. Bryn Lackey real estate. Excellent. Well, listen, always a pleasure having you in, uh, especially in the studio nowadays. And thanks for joining me this week. Thanks so much for having me. So folks, when I come back, I've got uh, Tim Hudak joining me. He is the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. And by the way, as I mentioned earlier, coming up on Thursday, October the 20th, we have our Simple Real Estate Investment Webinar at 7 p.m. You can join me here in studio, and we are going to talk a lot about numbers. It's something that we need to do. We've got to unwrap this so people have a little better understanding of what's going on. So when we come back, I've got Tim Hudak. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back, as I mentioned just before the break, that I'm going to be joined by the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, Tim Hudak. You know, Tim's been a guest of mine uh, many, many times over the years. And you know what? You would have heard him here on News Talk 1010. Tim had his own show. And of course, if you remember, he used to be the leader of the Ontario uh, Conservative Party. So, Tim, welcome back to the show.
2: Hey, Todd. Great to hear your voice again. Um, I'm glad to be back on to Keep up the great work at Simply Real Estate
0: thank you so much tim i i always appreciate having you on as usual and uh, i think there's a lot for you and i to talk about today because you know a lot of things going on in the world of real estate we can, you know we'll, we'll touch on the interest rates but i i want to have a bit more of an in-depth conversation with you about what's happening at the ontario real estate association i know you've got a really big project coming up in november maybe you can share it with our listeners and then we can talk about some of the things that you know we should be mindful of in the real estate business
2: thanks oh, well i mean our Our number one day-to-day continues to be kind of like what what you do in your business and on on the show. We want to see more Canadians uh, achieve uh, the Canadian dream of home ownership. We'd love to see more people investing uh, in property, providing quality rentals. That's what we focus on. We're having some success in that area. And then towards that end, we've got a, a major conference coming up. It's called the Reality Conference. I'm tremendously excited about it. Well, we had you at our previous one, and it was a big success. So it's November 22nd and 23rd. Give me more details in moments in Toronto. But let me put it this way if you are in the real estate business, you're a real estate investor, or you're just a fan of real estate, it is the best stage in Canada to get a perspective on how you can find opportunity in today's market and where the market is heading.
0: Tim, one of the things I'm I'm gonna commend you on and, and definitely let our listeners know, you know, since you became a CEO of a real I know you've been fighting and been a huge advocate to make sure that, you know, the government is, you know, I, I'm going to say behaving correctly, you know, and and keeping things on track. And it's very important that people understand, you know, some of the things that you had to overcome, you know, even going through the uh, the pandemic, you know, how quickly you reacted to make sure everybody had the education and the tools to be able to conduct the business. And, you know, I know, I know sometimes my listeners, they get, you know, get a little upset with me because they say, Todd, you're so pro real estate. You're so pro realtors. Uh, but I always, I'm the first guy to say I'm pro professionalism. I'm pro, you know, working with the people that are respectful of the rules and doing the right things in the industry.
2: You know, and I appreciate the advice that you've given to me, not only on the show, but when you and I meet in person um, on raising the bar and professionalism, Our, our, our goal is to make sure that that real estate agent at your side, when you're making the biggest transaction of your life, something so crucial to your family, to your future, that they have the highest professional standards and training anywhere in North America. And if they're not, if they, you know, play fast with the rules, we want to come down hard through our regulator on them, hire fines, you know, suspend their license and kick them out. There is no more important person in that transaction aside from you or your family than that realtor. We want to make sure you should have every confidence in them when you're making that call.
0: You know, Tim. One of the things I know you've been you've been pushing for is, of course, affordability in the housing market, but more and more so, more inventory. And even though when we take a look at the stats over the last, we'll call it the six months since the interest rates have obviously have risen at a fairly progressive rate you know we still will have no matter what when we come out of whatever bubble we go through with interest rates we're still going to have an inventory problem where are some solutions going to be found because again we might we might have less people selling right now but it doesn't mean that we don't have enough buyers sitting on the on the sidelines waiting
2: for product yeah that's a tremendous point and it it, and that's what i really appreciate uh, todd what you do in your show you take a responsible thoughtful look at the market you know some other media, they say, oh, interest rates are up and prices are falling and it's more affordable now. No, this is not doing anything for affordability, particularly for first-time home buyers. You've got higher mortgage costs now, make it harder to finance that purchase and there's fewer homes on the market. So I'd argue the affordability crisis is actually worse. And, and I worry the government will lose focus. So part of my day job, making sure we keep their eye on the ball. We need to increase supply and inventory, particularly for first-time home buyers, move up buyers when the kids come along, and also making sure there are quality rentals for people in that marketplace. Here's some suggestions. Well, we need to intensify along transit lines. The government's investing in new subways and new transit, but it's crazy if you only have one or two stories along those lines, so build up there. We think that people should have, as of right, the ability to have a secondary unit in their home. That's quality rental in every neighborhood in our province. It improves choices plus it helps that family who owns the home pay down their mortgage 20 to 25 times faster by having a secondary suite. And the third one I'll say, I can go on forever about this, but the third one I'd say, we call it exclusionary zoning. So here's an example. Picture you're in, you're in Burlington or Toronto or in uh, Oshawa. There's a wartime bungalow. It's, it's past, befo- it's best before date, it's fading. And the owner can knock that home down and and she could build a four-story monster home. We support that. That's the right of the property owners, but that helps one you know, well-off family. But if they try to have a duplex, a triplex, some townhomes where three or four families could actually find a starter home, oh man, they go through this red tape ringer, and the lawyers get called in and NIMBY forces descend and you caught all these fees and charges. They throw up their hands, Todd, they walk away and who loses out? Well, so it's those three or four families that can't get the market. That would be the single biggest key to unlocking affordable home ownership for Ontarians uh, of any idea on the table.
0: Yeah. And Tim, you know, I appreciate that comment because I I agree wholeheartedly. The idea of being able to create that duplex triplex uh, is going to be very important to our future. And, you know, just especially because people keep talking about proximity, they want the, the proximity to the GTA. So if we want to reduce the drive, then what we're going to have to do is be able to manipulate the actual structures into, again, that multi-res perspective. And, you know, I think, I think it's a great point. But, you know, one of the things that you and I have talked about in previous shows is the the fact that you know the provincial uh, sorry the the national government uh, you know or federal government has opened up you know our um, our uh, immigration and so looking at 500,000 people coming into Canada and when you top that and say 250 of them probably coming into Ontario you know, one of the things that we've got to recognize is the fact that with that upward pressure with interest rates, my great concern is is that we have just burned through all of the rental market. There is virtually zero vacancy running, and people, you know, are watching these these rent rates rise. Well, that's just because it's supply and demand. Again, one of those issues that. You know, I think, I think you know, the federal government want to control the real estate market as they normally try to do. But ultimately, I don't think their solution is making sense. And we're going to see more and more people struggling to find that rental property.
2: Yeah, for sure. Price score as a result, and that deepens the affordability crisis. And you're absolutely right, Todd. It, it comes down to a lack of inventory. We, we built more homes in the 1970s than we did in the 2000s, for goodness sakes, with a lot more people and a lot more immigration coming. You really need the province of Ontario to, to focus on delivering on those 1.5 million homes in the next 10 years, 150,000 a year. To their credit, <laughs> the Ford government actually saw the most homes built uh, in over 30 years last year, but we've got to keep that momentum going uh, at the end of the day. And here's a, an incentive. You talked about rentals, whether it's rentals or ownership. I would love to see the province and the federal government do two things. Number one, a housing delivery fund that actually rewards good behavior. So let's say Burlington's playing ball, they're welcoming you know, new neighbors, they're saying that our young people who grew up here and wanna live here can actually just call home. Hey, they go to the top of the list on an infrastructure program to fund a, a road or transit, a, the new arena, what have you, that's the carrot. But a municipality closes their doors, they cave to the NIMBY forces, young people have to move out, hey, they don't get their project. I think that kind of carrot and stick would make a big difference. And number two, on immigration, As we do bring skilled immigrants into our country, we should actually do more to reward those who have trade skills. If we want to actually build our homes, we need more people working in the construction trades. Our immigration system is biased to those that have university degrees, professionals. They're going to contribute to the economy, but it's biased against those who can actually, the blue color, people who can build the homes we need. I'd love to see that switch and more control for the province on who they allow in.
0: Tim, you just unfolded a whole whack of stuff there that I do want to talk to you about, because I'm glad that you brought up the trades. You know, I I, I do want to make a point that over the next 10 years, we are going to be running at the bare minimum of number of trades. So, Tim, I'm going to go to a quick break. If you don't mind hanging on, I want to come right back with you. So, folks, if you're just tuning in, Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, is joining me right now, and we'll be right back after this if you're just tuning in my guest right now is tim hudak he is the ceo of the ontario real estate association and folks tim's been a, a regular guest over the years with me and of course you would have heard him here on news talk 1010 for many many years and uh tim just before the break yet yet you, you just threw out one of the hail mary's i've been talking a lot about and that right. i think you and you and i are really aware of is the lack of trades that we um have in place and You know, when when we take a look, new immigration, you know, if we could kind of shoehorn them and say, look, we we need the trades to come in because, you know, it's great that we're getting all this funding. You know, federal government wants to step up and give us funding to build more houses. You know, we've got the provincial government saying, you know, we're looking at better low-income housing. That's great. We're going to give you more money. But if nobody can build this, you know, it's great we have all the coffers in in the bank, but we just don't have enough people to build it. And you'd you'd cited a a number that, you know, they want to build 1.5 million. Million homes over the next ten years. If you don't have the people to build it, we're just not going to get there.
2: Yeah, absolutely true. Are you pretty handy, Todd? Looking at you, I think you look like you're, you know, pretty good with the saw and the hammer.
0: Yeah, well, you know, Tim, I did. You know, I built my building here that we are, where our new new office is, our new studio. You know, but I I don't think I can help the rest of the housing crisis.
2: <laughs> one, one at a time. Yeah, look, I, I'm the opposite. I can I can barely put a nail in straight but, but I, I I admire those in the trades. And we've not done enough to encourage our young Ontario men and women to get into the trades. I mean, anybody who's paid the bill for any kind of construction in their own home knows that it's making pretty good money. We're well over six figures, benefits uh, to pensions now, and we're de- going to depend on them to build the things we need, including those 1.5 million homes. So I'm happy to see the Labour Minister really encouraging more people into the trades, but it's not going to be enough. And that's why we should... Reward new immigrants coming to the country who can actually work in construction, can work on the carpentry side, can build those homes. They're going to need those homes, so doesn't it make sense to bring in the people that can help build them at the same time?
0: One of the things that I know that you've been a real advocate about, um, and we we can talk about money laundering because you know there has been you know reports saying that during the the real estate uptick, especially the last few years, and back in around 2016-17 when we saw a major increase in the volume of real estate, a lot of people were talking about you know foreign money being washed here. Tim, can you kind of give us an update on you know what is actually happening with that and where the numbers are sitting?
2: I've uh, seen figures up to 25 billion over the last five years of uh, real estate that has gone into the hands of, uh, of dirty money coming in from overseas. So what do I mean by dirty money? It, it, typically, it's a corrupt drug lord or criminal operation, uh, or it could be a corrupt government official in a corrupt country that invests in Canadian real estate because it's dead and predictable, and some other corrupt official might come and take their money. So sadly, that is happening increasingly. Believe it or not, Todd, in Russia, they have a term for it called snow washing. And snow washing is strictly Canada because you and I know it snows here all the time, right? But they actually brag about it in criminal circles in Russia. Terranet has pointed this out in a recent survey. I'll tell you where we stand. We don't want to see one single property that could go to law-abiding Canadians into the hands of an Eastern nephew of a drug lord. So we want to make sure you can't hide behind these numbered companies. We want to make sure it's searchable database on who owns properties so you connect the name to the crime back in the old country. Canada has become an increasing target because the UK, the US, the European Union have cracked down. We're still wide open and we can't stand that any longer.
0: So tim really what is the solution there because you know we do have fintrack in place um, you know people want to verify obviously you know um you know their nationality if how they're buying it where the dep- where the actual down payment's coming from but you know even then obviously there's there's loopholes and then there's some unscrupulous people here that are actually transacting so that's where we talk about the realtors we talk about the lawyers we talk about the accountants so is there is there any kind of task force that you can put together that actually could overcome some of these obstacles.
2: Yeah, so we are working on that. In fact, we've had meetings with the Minister of Finance and the parliamentary assistant very recently here in Ontario. We did get some action on the national government under Prime Minister Trudeau, which is a good start, but there's more we can do. And British Columbia actually brought in uh, what they call a beneficial owner registry. So what does that mean? It means whoever has the property, 10% or more ownership, they actually go on a public registry, their name there. Now, we have to make sure it's searchable. So you could anybody in the public or another country can search to see who bought the properties. And secondly, you have to make sure it compares notes with other jurisdictions. And third, you just pointed this out, Todd, there's gotta be steep fines if you play fast and loose with the rules. Um, And you gotta get the gray areas that are happening, including mortgage brokers that aren't playing under the FinTrack rules. You put those elements together, we can help to siphon off this dirty money, the snapping up real estate that should go in the hands of law-abiding Canadians.
0: Tim, you know we're going through a, a bit of a tough a tough spot right now with increasing interest rates and you know bank of canada you know we're anticipating probably another half a point minimum Potentially three quarters of a point. So people, people in general, you know, they're they're, they're starting to feel it a little. And, and of course, if people have done their due diligence and they did go through the stress test, you know, they sh- should be able to maintain it. The biggest numbers, of course, in real estate in transactions was in, in 2021. We saw over 126,000 transactions in the GTA. You know, so that was that was our big year. Unfortunately, most people did lock into a five-year fixed rate. So you know, they're going to cruise th- through this fairly effortlessly, I think, in most cases. But when we take a look at realtors themselves and 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 this is to speak to you know what's ARIA doing to help some of them because again now now we start seeing the funnel dry up a little we're not going to see the same number of transactions this year in the GTA probably in around 75,000 huge huge step back from last year you know a lot of people came into the business you know when 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 it got hyped up and now you know, there's a, they're kind of getting stopped dead in the tracks. Is there some education? Is there some programs that you and Aria have thought about to help some of these realtors kind of, kind of get through this tough time? Because, you know, some of them, their, their business is going to dry up.
2: You're absolutely right. And so to answer your question, I'll, I'll, I'll give twofold. They, they can go to aria.com. We are getting experts who can talk about, you know, how you get through this type of uh, transitional market that we're in. I do hear from a lot of people and, and Todd, with your experience at Simply Real Estate, I, I imagine you of a similar view that you can actually find opportunity uh, in more of a down market, that really good realtors, investors actually can expand their business uh, going forward uh, when the market turns the other way. So we do have our, our webinars, our sessions uh, from other professionals on how to get through this transitional time. We'll make sure we have the focus on increasing supply. That is our number one goal so that people have a chance to get a home as uh, interest rates uh Uh, moderate down the road, or even today. But third, I wanna reinforce what I began with, the the Reality Conference, and you can see it at realityconference.ca, November 22nd and 23rd. We will have on the stage, just like we had with you Todd in a previous one, experts in the sector talking about new technologies, talking about ways to save you time and money. We're gonna have veterans that have been through major downturns in the past, and also economists to tell you where the market is going. If you want to know how to find opportunity in today's market, whether you're a realtor, an investor, or just a plain fan of real estate, the realityconference.ca will be the best stage for that.
0: I'm glad that, uh, that you've got these kind of conferences going Tim because I, I, I do tell people that I let them know that you know these are very valuable and you know if anything you've got a lot of like-minded people in the room it allows you to kind of share some ideas a little bit of synergy you know and again I've been through you know over my years and, and history of being a realtor you know I've been through some of those tough markets and ultimately in the end the one thing I've always encouraged people to do is make sure you're investing in your business you know forget about the flashy car for, worry about investing 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 in your business. That's the most important thing that you need to be doing. And you don't try to try to pivot. You know, this is, as you said, it's a perfect time, an opportunity to be able to, to be able to take advantage of, of a market. And so I think, I think that a lot of people can come out ahead, ahead with this one. So um, Tim, listen, you know, it's always such a pleasure having you on the show. So once again, for that conference, what's the best way for people to reach out and find out about it?
2: Go to the website, realityconference.ca, November 22nd through November 23rd in toronto at the beanfield center down there by the x again the best stage to see where the market is going and how to find opportunity in real estate well world leaders in terms of marketing real estate success and also some celebrities including president bill clinton will be talking about the economy and home ownership and the value of it and simu lu who is the the new marvel superhero chang chi and he'll be talking about you know second careers and how to be successful Uh, And uh, I also want to stress Christine Quinn, who's a celebrity realtor. People may have watched her from Selling Sunset. She'll be taking the stage as well.
0: Well, listen, Tim, thanks once again for joining me. Always appreciate having you on as a guest. I can't believe how fast an hour goes by. Um, I do want to thank my guests joining me, of course, this week. Bryn Lackey, in studio with me. Great to have her join me and, uh, you know, having a great uh, discussion about most things related to real estate. And, uh, of course, Tim Hudak joining me. Always great having Tim join me and uh, kind of miss him on the air. You know, you normally would catch him around 5 o'clock here on Sundays, but um, great having Tim join me back. So, anyways, um, you know what? Uh, Like I had mentioned earlier, coming up on Thursday, October the 20th. My seminar, you know what? Don't miss out on it. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com. And uh, I do want to thank the people that kind of keep it easy for me and more importantly, simple. Omar, my producer right in house. I want to thank Omar for helping me out this week. Uh, Ian Grant, you know, he's kind of at station control there and he's making sure that we do it right. And of course, I want to thank you for making us the number one real estate talk show. And of course, I will be back next Sunday as usual at noon. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.